All right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are P.S. This is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast, and this is episode 243. This is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. So before we get on the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash PS This Is Awesome. You can go visit us on Twitter at PS This Is Awesome. And if you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PlayStation Network, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jakesaw01. And as always, you can write the show at PS This Is Awesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. And be sure to leave comments and rate our podcast as you see fit. And as a reminder, we are a video podcast as well, so you can watch the show on YouTube if you prefer. And uh, for new and or long-time listeners, we now have a Patreon. You can support our show at a $1 level, $1 a month, like our good friend Played by Ken, who recently discovered our show. So thanks for joining the Patreon. We appreciate your uh, support. And uh, I'll be putting your vinyl sticker in the mail early this week. So the Patreon tier is called the one and only $1 Club. Head over to www.patreon.com slash PS. This is awesome. Become a $1 patron and get your free die-cut vinyl sticker and a shout-out on our show. It's nice to see the patronage growing. Jake, slow and steady wins the race, they say. So, Yeah, I mean obviously when it comes to patronage, you prefer uh, – um, fast and never ending, but <laughs> I would say that uh, that uh, I didn't expect anybody to sign up for our Patreon. So it's pretty fucking cool that people are actually care about uh, the shit that we have to say yeah. on a week-to-week basis. We're not really even offering anything extra except for a sticker and a shout-out. So, But it is appreciated, and uh, like we've said before in the show, and like LJ has said when he guest hosted, it's a dollar a month. It's not a lot, but it means everything to us. It's never expected, but it's always 100% appreciated. So thank you for listening to begin with, you know, and uh, thanks for throwing us a dollar our way, you know, so thank you very much. Appreciate that, played by Ken. And uh, like I said, I'll get your sticker out in the mail very soon. Um, with that out of the way, Jake, how are you today? Uh, good. I did stuff. I don't know. Um, works the fall into the winter and towards the end of the year is always the absolute worst time work for me. So my weekdays are really, really crazy, mm-hmm. which means that recently weekends i've just been fucking crashing yeah and uh like i i typically i always like to even on the weekends set an alarm to try and get up and you know even if i stay up a little bit later i don't get up at like <laughs> you know during the week i get up at 5 five thirty. on the weekends i don't get up that early but i usually try to be out of bed by eight o'clock or so um because i usually end up going to bed later but the last few weeks, I've just started like, like you know what? I'm not even going to set an alarm at all. I'm just going to sleep as long as I can fucking sleep and then just try to recover some of my energy. Mm. And uh, I'll be honest. Like I'm not super stoked. Actually, I the older I get, the more I fucking hate winter. Mm. Like it just emotionally drains me. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily even care so much about the uh, the weather. But it just – it affects me more emotionally than it used to. Right. I think it's because I don't do stuff like snowboarding and things like that anymore just that less I get really excited about. I do play hockey, which I really, really enjoy. But outside of that, I'm not – you know, it's dark all the time and you never feel like you can get enough done because you don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. And 
So, but the one thing that I do enjoy about the winter and the weather getting kind of crappy and the sun going down earlier is I tend to have a little bit more time to play video games. Yeah. Um, so, and this weekend, Sarah's out of town. She went to a wedding and visiting some family. So I've been able to um, not play a ton, but I've been – because I've got stuff to catch up on around the house. But I've been playing some some games and I've been having a good time. Good. Good. How about you? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, to your point about the winter, I I am welcoming this winter, dude. You know like we've been doing a lot of shows all summer and uh, it is kind of nice to have weekends back like to like just kind of catch up just in general like house cleaning whatever it is gaming i didn't realize how hard i was going until like people were like man are you playing this weekend and i'm like nah i'm taking some time off and everyone's like yeah man you were like playing every weekend and i was like yeah i really was i like i was working on the weekends for sure and uh, you were a big part of that so yeah, it's kind of yeah. nice to take a breather. Um, this weekend, I've done nothing. I, I've got this new thing I'm trying to do. Um, sometimes it's just hard to dig deep and find motivation to like be a homeowner. And like one of the things that goes to the wayside, unfortunately, is we have a three bedroom house, no kids, two stories, and I have a studio. So like, there's a lot of house for just two of us, and we have a you know, not a big backyard, but we've got a backyard deck patio and then the front yard's never paid attention to. So like house stuff always seems to be the thing. So, um, we haven't even started our bathroom renovation yet, but the thing is, is, is I told myself on Wednesday, I was going to come home from work and I was going to do one room a day. I was going to like deep clean one room a day. You know, uh, my wife, Chelsea works until five. I get home by like three thirty, So, I figure if I can just deep clean one room a day for like an hour and a half, then when she's off work and I'm off work, then we can just like do something together and not have to worry about doing shit with the house. You know what I mean? And just stay dedicated. So uh, Dude, you must be more efficient than me because I have never been able to deep clean a single room in under an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, we keep our house <laughs> relatively like a- clean. You know what I mean? So it's not like it can be – but like the the most challenging room is the family room where the where the TV and entertainment center is because when I dust, you got to pull that out. You got to take everything off of all the shelves. You got to pledge it all. You got to wipe all that shit down. And then to be fair, I haven't mopped. We have all hardwood, so hardwood and tile. So I haven't mopped anything yet. It's just all been sweeping. That's the first step. And uh, I don't even really like to mop, anyways. I think it's kind of weird, but um, I guess uh, you know it always makes the house smell nice because we use this lavender scented whatever we use when we mop, and it's. Do you use like? Do you actually like mop mop or are you using like a wood floor cleaner? Because there's a difference. We mop the tile mm-hmm. and then the wood floor, we don't use a cleaner for it, but we do use like the wet Swiffer wipes. Oh, yeah. Do you, Okay. Yeah, they make um, – they make uh, – like I, we use this stuff called Bruce mm-hmm. and there are other companies that make something similar. But it's like it, – it comes with essentially like a Swiffer but the pad <laughs> – is uh washable oh interesting and it's a lot bigger it looks like it's like it's the size of a sheet of paper almost and or maybe even a little bit bigger than that and then you actually like you like spray this it's like comes in a spray bottle Mm -hmm. you just spray it on the floor 
and then you use that like Swiffer thing to, and it cleans the wood and conditions it. Oh, the condition um, is key. And it, yeah, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit less harsh on the wood finish than like your typical. So you're not relacquering it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Anyway, I didn't, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to pull you off track there. I was just curious because we have the same problem. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's a pain. So I've been doing the the, the one one room a day, and then uh, I've been painting Cursed City. They have these really cool. I finished all the skeletons. They have these really cool uh, enemies in Cursed City, which is a board game uh, by Warhammer um, or uh, Games Workshop. Sorry. And uh, they just announced an expansion that went on for pre-order today called Night Wars. But uh, the uh, the original Cursed City was really hard to get. It was limited print, and then they there was so much demand for it they reprinted it. And uh, they have these zombies, which are really really cool. I don't think I talked about them on the last show, but they're really neat because they're called Grave Walkers. And uh, they're called that, I would imagine, because they still have their tombstones attached to them and they're like lurching around like their figure poses. So they have like their tombstones on their backs. And what's really cool about the figure is like the tombstones back in the day, um, I don't know for certain, but I think that like, you know, this was a thing where they would bury people alive because uh, the m- medical community wasn't as matter of fact about when people died back in the day which is a real thing and maybe we'll get into this with the, with the gaming talk too because uh, we've got a game we're going to talk about based in medieval times but um, they would attach a bell or they would attach like some sort of uh, ringing mechanism on your tombstone that would be attached to your casket and shit and they would drive it into the ground so if you started moving you could wiggle this thing or pull on this thing from your tomb to make the bell ring so the crypt kicker could come fucking dig you back up because that meant that you were like actually not dead and buried alive so they started doing this in real life so these grave walkers for this game all have these little bells hanging off of their uh, they were staked through into the ground but the mini uh, when they were staked men, they went through the chests of the humans, and now they're resurrected as zombies. So they have these stakes coming out of them, and, they, and they're attached to their tombstones on their back, and they have these bells hanging off. And they look so fucking awesome, and I'm painting them right now. So That's a pretty dope uh, character design. Yeah, for sure. And there's ten of them, and uh, maybe, maybe for the Patreons, I'll, I'll post one of my paintings. Patrons, on the, I'll make it a private post. You can see it. But um, anyways, yeah, so I'm painting those. Uh, this is the season for board gaming. I haven't played any board games yet ever. I haven't done a HeroQuest thing yet because I haven't time to orchestrate it because all the gigs. But that thing's all painted up. I'm working on Cursed City, which is really, really dope and cool. And uh, yeah, just doing that, man. And uh, I f- – Phoenix, one of my one of my all-time favorite bands, has a new record coming out. They released two new songs. They do this live, uh, this live performance around like what looks to be just like a dinner table. And um, if you know Phoenix, they're one of those weird bands that doesn't actually have a drummer in the band, but they have the same drummer tour with them for all their live shows. And he's an amazing drummer. So they program all these drum beats and they record to like electronic drums. And sometimes I think he might play on the record, but I, I think a lot of their drums are electronic. And then uh, 
they and they have this dude Thomas Headland. He comes in. I think that's his name. He comes in and he has to tour with these guys. And he essentially has to recreate all of these digital beats that they came up with on the record. And to see this guy drum is it's phenomenal. It's he's a phenomenon. He's so fucking good. He does weird shit, but like he's such a he's a studio drummer. But uh, Phoenix played two songs off their latest release on this live performance, and they're sitting around this dinner dinner table thing. And uh, the singer, I think, has the drum machine just going, like he's controlling. It's like, it, but it's just a drum machine. It's just a steady beat. It's like, and then they they have their real bass and both guitars going, and the one guy that plays guitar also has a keyboard in front of him, and it is the best sounding thing I have ever heard. And the singer's just singing, and it sounds so good. Um, if you look it up, the two songs are so fantastic. The first song that they perform on this live performance is a uh, and they're still going to promote the record um they have the guy from vampire weekend also sings sings with them on that song in the recorded version in the live version it's all their singer doing it all and then the second song is uh they recorded this record in uh the louvre i believe in france they got they got permission to stay and set up a recording studio in the louvre and uh they said they were super influenced by it because all these like the Mona Lisa and all these paintings would come in and out and like they would just like stay the night there and like at night they'd be recording and then they'd like get up in the morning and it would just be fucking packed and full of people and then it would get real quiet at night and they'd start fucking tracking so like how cool would it be to be in a band so fucking big and important in France that you could just record in the Louvre yeah it's all yours I I was actually thinking about it I mean I can't say historically but I would have to say that like Maybe right now, Phoenix has to be the biggest band to come out of France, globally speaking. Ever. Yeah. They may not be the most famous in France, but globally speaking, Phoenix has to be the biggest band out of that country. They're or so, one of them, at least. They're so loved there. If you've not listened to them, I, I mean, they're not like everybody's music, but like they can write a fucking song. And they're very, they're very particular about what they're doing with their music and it's all intentional dude their their rhythm section is so fucking impressive (laughs) it's amazing and i i'm not gonna lie like what was the album was it the last album that the cover was like a peach or something yeah bankrupt maybe maybe i i didn't really care for that album all that much same but um i'm excited to listen to the new stuff because the two before that, um, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, Wolfgang Amadeus, and it's never been like that. Both of those albums are fucking masterpieces. Yeah, they're so, amazing records. Yeah, dude. So, anyway, that's they're that's back awesome. on it. The, the first two songs that they did on this live session, at least, just watch the live versions. So fucking catchy. Like where the the the, awesome. the parts cut out and they come back in and the vocal melodies. So fucking good. Anyways, I'm excited about that. Phoenix has a new record out. Dude, we should probably talk about games. I've gone on too long. Yep. This is what people came for. Um, let's talk. Uh, I didn't even. Uh, yeah. So games, games we're playing. I almost forgot to track everything here. So Jake, games we're playing. Um, I'm going to be honest, straight up with everybody. Haven't played a game since the last podcast. Haven't done it. And uh, I apologize to the listeners, but I'm really excited about a game coming out soon this month, and that's why I didn't I didn't want to get into something and not be able to finish it before this game came out. And uh, 
we haven't talked a lot about it on the show, but we're going to talk about it today. And uh, but I haven't played anything. I didn't even go back to Tome. Didn't even go back to it. Um, but we're going to talk about that game in a little bit. Jake, what have you been playing? So um, I have been playing Cyberpunk. I think I'm basically done with most of the side missions that mm-hmm. I really care about. Um, I so I, I just have to do the the end missions. Uh, I I still really like it, but I'm just like ready to move on yeah. to something else. I, I just I've gotten to the point where I have a really hard time with these games that take forever and ever to beat. And that's not to say that I don't really like it. I still do really like it, but I'm just ready to play something else. Yeah. Uh, also, what I've been playing, which might be kind of surprising to some people just based on my gaming history, but I've been playing the demo for that game Valkyrie Elysium that's coming Ooh, out. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, dude, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It is so good. I, Because, I, like, I'm not – dude, Japanese games are very hit or miss with me, and I would – be honest to say that they're probably more of a miss than a hit with me a lot of times but this game just the gameplay it's just like an action rpg um a lot of hack and slashiness but there's a lot of like combos you can learn and there's this elemental system Mm -hmm. where enemies have certain weaknesses and stuff and you can use different there's like a strategy to using certain attacks on certain enemies to basically disable them so that you can do a lot of damage and um i've only been i've only i mean i've been playing the demo i'm about i'm still not done with it and i'm about an hour and a half into wow. it uh, i started it last night mm-hmm. and i guess like if you play the demo that your your progress can carry over to the main game that's I the way it should be true, for every just demo. cool and this is one of the things that i do appreciate about japanese games is that a lot of them have demos I mean, we had demos for Final Fantasy Remake. You know, we've had demos for some other, like, more AAA Japanese games that have come out. Like, another one that they released a demo for that I didn't get to before the podcast, but I really want to try out is they released a demo for that game, Wolong. I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah. um, That I really, I'm going to download probably after we podcast tonight to give that one a shake, too. Uh, But this game is really cool. I will admit, like, the game it's a it's a Japanese game, but the story is all like Norse mythology. Like you, the main character, it's called Valkyrie Elysium. The main character is a Valkyrie that was created by Odin to try and like save Midgard, and like it's so bizarre, just aesthetically, <clears throat> to have this like super Japanese game with like all of these like pretty boy aesthetics and stuff. And these like kind of English accents and everything yeah. on the American on the English dub, but then like the story is all like fucking you know Odin and Valkyries and freaking you know Valhalla and all this stuff. It's 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 a di- I'll say this: it's a different take on Norse mythology, but it just looks like a Japanese game. Mm-hmm. Like like you know how they have that aesthetic where they're just all kind of similar. Yeah. But the one thing that I, I – I'll be honest. Like the one thing that I'm kind of confused about with the graphics of the game is that it's like slightly cel-shaded. I don't know if you've ever seen a game like this. Not fully cel-shaded where the whole game looks kind of like art. Like everything has like an outline. But yeah, but it's like – it's got like this hue of cel-shaded. So when they do close-ups of like the characters, 
they almost look blurry. Like, it's weird. I don't know why they did it. Like, I would rather them be fully cell shaded or not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't break the game at all. The game still looks really cool. I still really enjoy what I'm playing. Um, but then the other thing that I, I want to mention, and I'm not – it's not a game, but it's video game related, is I've – I have watched the first three episodes of the cyberpunk anime. Edge Runners. Edge Runners. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty interesting, dude. It's violent as fuck. I mean, as you imagine, like cyberpunk is. But this is, uh, this ties into a news story, but keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, um, and I don't, you know, I guess maybe we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I just wanted to say that uh, you've started it. I've started it. How many episodes um, is it? there's 10 okay. on net, on Netflix. Are they a half I don't hour? Know if that's the, I, I, yeah, they're like half hour, 35 minutes, something like that. Um, but uh, the one thing that I will comment on is that like the one, the one thing that I am not a super big fan of with a lot of anime is when they're too – the visuals are too like spastic and all over the place. To the point where, like, I have a, I have this problem a lot with a lot of modern CG action movies and stuff. Like, think about, like, Michael Bay's Transformers and shit, where there's just so much happening on the screen that you can't tell what the fuck is going on. And so, like, an anime has always had these kinds of things in, like, action sequences. But uh, it looks really good. But there's just a lot of stuff that I wish they took more of, like, a... I wish they would like stand back a little bit more with the we'll call it the shot, even though it's you know a drawing and not like a an actual like framed film. Yeah. But like, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I mean, I would like to finish it before I really tie off on what my opinion is of it. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely interesting. So yeah. Well, I know what. Uh- as far back to Valkyria Elysium, I my brother's birthday is uh, mon- is is tomorrow actually the second, and uh, I I got him a gift, and uh, I'm gonna talk in the closing. I'll talk about this thing I discovered. We'll, we'll bring it up for anyone who's interested into like uh, into kind of like uh, solo card gaming, like role playing games by yourself. Um, we'll talk about that later. But I got him this cool gift, and uh, he already opened it, but. Um, when I was over there, he said this game had just come out, and he goes, "You know, I, I you know, I really want to play it this weekend." Because I asked him if he wanted to do any board game, and he said, "Ah, he goes, I'm going to play Valkyria Elysium all weekend." And I'm like, "All right, cool." But when I was over there, he powered it on, and it did look really cool. It looked really smooth too, like the the everything looked like it ran really nice. But he he made the comment, and I don't know if he did any research on it or not, but he made the comment that it was a pretty low budget game for for square whoever i don't i don't know what that meant he said it's he said it's a shorter game and uh it's gonna have a lot be open to a lot of various playthroughs for different different endings um he said you know maybe 20 hours for a playthrough so See, to me 20 like for a game like this 20 hours is plenty long enough right. I, thought, I mean i, I think so too you know i i don't know I'm defi- I definitely am interested in playing this. I don't know if I am full price interested, but I am really enjoying dude dude, I could like the what I've played so far, I could give two shits about the story. I don't really care. I mean it's just honestly I kinda wish I had started it in Japanese. 
for whatever reason, I started it in English with English subtitles because mm-hmm. I just always have subtitles on. And uh, and once I started the game, it won't let me change the dialogue back to that's weird fucking Japanese. I don't in. know why it's not just in the audio menu, which is bizarre. But and 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 it has these like Japanese game tropes that I really don't care for, where it's like you've got to find the widget that lets you save mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Like I, I like it the makes typewriter sense. in Resident Evil. Yeah, well, I mean, for yeah, for games like Resident Evil, I guess it kind of makes sense because it's built around like resource management and yeah. stuff like that. But this is just like an action RPG. There really isn't any reason to that. They should just have checkpoints. But uh, so some of that stuff is still kind of stuck in the past. But they do give you like the option at these places to also like upgrade your weapons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I, I I could definitely see it not necessarily being like a top tier full budget game, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I think that it's definitely a game I could see myself playing for sure. That's cool. Kind of like uh, kind of like um, now I would say that I don't know this for sure, but I would say Near Automata is probably a better game overall. I I wouldn't know that for sure, but I just like. You know, I don't. I didn't know what the fuck was going on in Near Automata, but the game was fun. The graphics were cool. The settings were cool. The environments were good. Yeah. So gameplay um, was fun. Yeah. I kind of feel that way about this too. So it's cool to hear these playing it. I, I'd be uh, interested to hear his final thoughts on it when he actually. Yeah, I kept the game. telling him he needs to get on the show and talk about role playing games because he's he's a very avid kind of. Not that this is even necessarily a role playing game. You said they kind of stepped aside, stepped away a bit from. Excuse me. Obviously, like the turn base and all that kind of. It's more of like a hack and slash kind of game. He said, but um, he was enjoying it. I think uh, for what he's played of it so far. Um, let's get into listener feedback, shall we? So this is kind of a nice thing with our podcast. We're starting to get some interaction with people, and it's very, very awesome. I don't know if it's because of Patreon or if it's because of uh, just us doing it. I'm, I'm seeing an increase. And listeners, and that's always nice for a show. So thank you again for tuning in and listening to our podcast. Um, so patron Sean, who's called Pat, is like brother Sean, patron Sean, patron Sean wrote in, and he said, "Hey guys, I heard your podcast from a couple weeks ago regarding patron content contributions. If you ever do an episode focused on horror games or RPGs, I'd like to contribute." So I wrote Sean back and I told him if he wanted to do a game right up, uh, we we could definitely feature it on the podcast for Halloween. Um, I also explained to him too, Jake, the, the main reason is just because our schedules are so crazy. And he was more than cool with that. He said, however we want to do it. Um, I wrote him and told him that uh, maybe you and I should do a Halloween episode where we discuss maybe our top three scary games of all time. Or we do like a top ten scary games list. Um, you know, maybe go over – uh, as we talking about why we would encourage people to play those specific games, we did something like this, I think, on one of our Halloween episodes, um, but I'm not sure. But I did, I did, I did save that really awesome long Halloween introduction song of ours that I, I wrote, and that will be making a comeback for a Halloween episode for the show. So uh, when that kicks on, just listen to it. You know, don't fast forward. Do you remember? Do you remember most of the people that are listening to the podcast now will not know what the fuck we're talking about. But when we did our first Halloween episode, we dressed up as Wayne and Garth. Yeah. And we had we had we had a video. There was video we were live we did streaming like a live podcast. stream where we had a banner behind ago. us. 
and we were dressed up as fucking Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World. I would love to find doing the podcast somewhere. I don't think it exists. I don't even know. I don't. We were using yeah, the website livestream.com. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good luck. I mean, that was that was almost that was almost ten years ago. That's crazy. I think that was the like Christmas. I think that was Halloween of dude. We were fucking live streaming this podcast probably before anyone else was live streaming their fucking podcast. Honestly. Um, Probably video game wise, at least. But uh, ah, so be it. We we didn't stick with it. We should have. But I'm happy to say, Sean, thank you for writing in. If listeners have any feedback on what they'd like to hear us discuss for our Halloween episode, please write us. Um, send it. Send it into a comment on the video on YouTube. Write us on Patreon. Write us to our email account. I think a top top five, maybe top ten scary game as well as like your obvious regular format for the show but i think that would be kind of a fun fun halloween thing halloween is probably my favorite if you want to call it a holiday holiday um it's always kind of fun but uh i do this crazy thing well i started this crazy thing where we get so many trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood that i started buying just a bag of candy every time i go out like just I'm starting to stockpile because there's no fucking way I could justify buying as much as I'm probably going to end up with. Uh, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, hand out candy and stuff. But man, we get so many. And hey, kids, when it's gone, it's yeah. gone. That's just how it's going to go this time around. Um, but anyways, yeah. So let us know. And Sean, I appreciate that. If you want to, he said that he does a thing with his with his wife. They do a the 31 days of Halloween. And every day they uh, they will watch a scary sitcom episode, like a Halloween themed sitcom episode, or a scary movie every day in October. Or no, I think that happens. And what he tries to do, he tries to replay a scary game that he's played, and then pl- play a new one. And the new one he picked for this year was going to be The Quarry. And I can't remember what he said the the replay game was going to be. Um, I don't have it up in front of me, but. I said if he wants to do a, a write-up, a quick synopsis of one of the games he played, his opinions of it, we'd be happy to read it on the show. Um, I'd be curious to hear of Sean's adventure this Halloween. And that's what I always like to do too is, is jump into scary games. We'll say though, Sean, if it is a new game, keep the spoilers at a minimum if, if zero. Valid point. Just yes. For, just for the people that are listening. Or else we We can't. do want to hear your thoughts and we'd love to have you know a third-party review. I think that would be really dope. But if it is an, if it is a game that's been released, like let's just say in the last ten years, don't uh, don't spoil. Yeah, don't be a dick, anybody. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> we're just gonna we're not even gonna read it before we say it on the show. So who fucking knows what you're gonna? You say. can put anything on. We won't even proofread it. We're just gonna say it. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not like uh, your final memo to the world. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, let's discuss Toem. So. <laughs> Thirty-one fifteen. Sorry, I said that out loud. So every month, Jake and I are going to pick a PlayStation Essentials game, and we're going to play it. Maybe not play the whole thing. Maybe play a portion of it. Maybe play maybe none of it if it sucks. But we're going to play it as much as our heart's content, but we're going to try to play it. The game we picked for this month was Toem, and uh, by this month, I mean September. And uh, we're going to discuss Toem real quick. And uh, we already kind of gave initial input on it. Jake, I don't think I got as far as you did. For those who don't know, Toem is a uh, kind of like a uh, 
puzzle game, adventure kind of game, but not. It's it, it essentially starts off uh, that you're just you, the way it's laid out is, is there are there are maps, right? It's like think think like maybe like Mario three, um, but uh, as far as like the levels, so you have a level and then you have a checklist, and you're supposed to f- take your camera and take photographs, right, of of the things on the checklist. Sometimes the things on the checklist don't just happen. You can't just find them. You have to do things to make the thing happen that you can take the picture of. Um, and uh, it's kind of a puzzle game in that regard. You get through it. You earn enough stamps. You get a bus ticket, and then you go to a new level. And then it's like a new area and new characters to interact with. It's very it's very lighthearted. The, the conversations are, are short and brief that you have with other characters. Um I actually really liked what I played of this game. Um, I would have never bought this game because it just doesn't seem like it's in my wheelhouse. I'm glad we picked it because I actually enjoyed the time I had with it. I did the first two levels. Um, so the the second level, the, the level that I completed, the most recent level I completed was the one with the hotel, I believe, that you take a picture of it from a distance. Um, and then you go to the, the next level. And I didn't really start there again. I just didn't get back to it. Um, I like this game. Uh, and I think that it was uh, it was cute and interesting. And I wonder how many levels there are. Jake, how far did you get in Tome, and what did you think of it? Um, so I got to the uh, I was in the when I quit playing, I was in the beach world. Yeah. So I don't know if you got no, there or not. Didn't. So like it's like a it, it seems almost like an island, but it can't be an island because you know you ride a bus there, and it's it's like a it's like a beach town. So there's a lot of water and seagulls and all this and all of the all the like the puzzles and stuff. It seems like in all these areas the puzzles and stuff that you do to take these pictures are all kind of themed based on the 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 area that you're in. So for example, in this Oh, you're cutting out a little Eagles bit. Eagles blocking your path and stuff. Yeah, you were cutting out a little bit. If you want to repeat that last sentence, oh, I don't know what happened. Sorry about that, listeners. So, yeah, so in this in this world, there's like a lot of themed kind of, I don't know, obstacles. It's like seagulls blocking your path or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like you solve some puzzles and then end up getting like a little horn. And you can walk around and honk it and scare the ski- seagulls away, which will allow you to get to a new area. Um and it's just, I mean, it's more of the same. You're solving puzzles to allow you to take photos, and then those photos allow you to solve tasks for the townskeeper or the townspeople. Then they give you good, you know, they call them like community stamps or whatever yeah. the fuck they are. And once you get enough, you can move on to the next level. Um, like you said, it's it's cute, it's wholesome, it's entertaining. Uh, Challenging. And I honestly thought that. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a very well put together game. It's a, definitely a great like Zen game where you're just like kind of walking around doing stuff. Um, there were a couple times where I felt like maybe the challenge of figuring out what I needed to do next was a little bit too opaque. Like maybe they could have made it a little bit more obvious, and that's just because I think that like the the style of this game lends itself to being like this game should be easy. Like that's what makes it. That's it, it, like I said. It, it it kind of shines as like a Zen game. Yeah, the art style is like, like Game Boy Game Boy colors, color schemes. 
I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I read somewhere that maybe the game does start getting color introduced to it. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess maybe that's true. I never got that far. Neither did I. I don't know how many worlds there are, but I think I was on like the fourth one or the third one or something like Sean, that. Sean, don't spoil shit, but we'll spoil Tome for the audience. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... It's so funny. It's, uh... But, but I will say, it's very... It's very... I would say... I would go as far as to say it's fun to play. Mm-hmm. I do like the whole... It's got this, like, Pokemon Snap kind of feel to it. Yeah. The art style is really cool. I love that we talked about it on the last episode. I love that you have a Walkman, but that they call it, like, a hike lady. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, Walkman is trademarked by Sony. But, uh... You get songs as you go along, and you can kind of play whichever song you want. And it's all, like, very zen music and... So like I was saying, I, I wish that like some of it – like the, some of the puzzles were a little bit more obvious just so you can kind of – like this is the kind of game that I would love to play on my Vita as I'm laying in bed. Just like kind of winding down for the night. Mm-hmm. I kind of – like if I had a backbone or something like that that I could use with my phone, I would definitely remote play this kind of game as I'm just kind of chilling out, not uh, not trying to engage too much and – work my brain too hard yeah yeah yeah. and and this is uh this is all on me here but if i'm being tra- completely transparent we did have a listener write in about you and your work trips and uh oh really yeah yeah yeah. and and i think they ah, jesus i don't know if i'm gonna be able to find it i'm probably not remembering this right and i apologize um hold on one second uh First of all, uh, back to listener comments real quick. One Black Talent did write in because we talked about how cool it would be for a game to just uh, be released out of nowhere, right? Um, I thought that would be cool. One Black Talent said a game that was announced and released instantly or a short period of time was Apex Legends. Um, I didn't mean to go boom, sidetrack, but uh, I forgot to uh, indicate that. And then they said that uh, – let me see here – um, to be clear, while you're looking that up, there are a lot of games that that has happened with. It's a, it's yeah. a big thing that happens at like press conferences and stuff. Like, uh, like one of the PS4 press conferences, Sony um, announced and released that game Entwined, like as soon as it happened. Bethesda did it with Fallout Shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yes, they do exist. They definitely do exist. But it's not common for things like fucking. You know, you're not going to get the next Elder Scrolls game that way. Right, right, right. You're not going to get like a triple like, A huge game, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not going to get the next Uncharted game that way. And I'm going to so I'm going to That's kind of what we we're talking. I'm going to read the question now and maybe visit it later because we're already into the we're already into uh Tom conversation, but he also wrote or she also, I don't know. It says, "Have you ever started promoting one of your concerts too early and then thought you had a smaller crowd because of it?" I think the advertising promotion and re- release of anything um uh, can have great effect on the consumer, and that's a very good question. And we'll get back to that down the road. But Jake, keep going. I'm sorry. No, I mean I was just kind of, uh, I was just kind of addressing your sideline as you were looking up the the listener comments. I'm not used to getting so. this many uh, listener feedback. So the sideline was one black talent also wrote. He said, "Is Jake 
ever tried PS Remote Play on his business trips? It might be okay for some PlayStation games, question mark. I was wondering if you'd be talking about Dan Allen Gaming, listening to his podcast sometimes. Um, sounds like he wouldn't keep quiet on the NDAs he has agreed to. So we're not going to get into Dan Allen Gaming, but have you ever tried PS Remote Play? So uh, the question. did you did you have anything about the Dan Allen Gaming thing? No. In the no, no, there's nothing there. News? Okay. Uh, we don't have to talk about it, but that I mean that dude is fucked. So I hope <laughs> I, I understand that you listen to that guy's podcast, but he's pro- he's probably done. So uh, we can, I, if you guys I, there's no have reason any that interest. we can't talk about it. I just uh, it's not like I'm trying to avoid so, it. So yeah, so it's not it's not like this thing that we need to spend a lot of time on. But like to just a quick sidebar. Like, yeah, well, I guess we're done with Tom. Play it if you a, want. Keep going. Yeah, so that guy. That guy, if you're looking for a Zen game, Plain Tome, it's it's pretty good, especially for being free. Anyway, so that Dan Allen Gaming guy, like he had a separate Twitter account where he was just literally leaking shit all over the internet, and apparently he was this that he had all this access because he was a uh, he was he has this video game channel, and he was just literally breaking NDA to to leak this stuff on an alias like account, he had right? So- Right, and it's not like he had sources or anything like that. He was just literally breaking an NDA, which is not what most insiders do. Insiders are people that are not NDA'd. They have contacts within the industry, and they get they get information, and they verify it, and then they leak it. They don't or, sign non-disclo- non-disclosure yeah. agreement right. is what an NDA is. Right, so like – and it's a legally binding document that says that you're not allowed to share this information publicly. You agree to and it. And so – so, like I said, I mean, whether or not uh, the the holders of these NDAs are going to screw this guy to the wall has yet to be seen, I, legally speaking. But I can tell you right now, he is literally fucking going to be blackballed in the industry. And he may still exist in the same capacity that, like, you and I exist, Fred, where he may still have a podcast and a channel. He'll where be he larger than we'll ever be still. Stuff. Yeah, for sure. But well, sure, <laughs> sure. But like, but what I'm saying is that like he's not going to have the content anymore that he used to in terms of reviewing games. He's not going to get right. shit early anymore. Nobody's going to give him anything willingly because of the things that he's done. So, um, but anyway, the, the with regard to the remote play stuff. I have not tried it yet with PS5. I really want to. The thing that's kind of holding me back a little bit from it is, uh, in my experience, the the remote play stuff does not work super great when you're talking about over the internet. And especially when you're dealing with things like hotel Wi-Fi. Um, it's not the... Like the the latency could be pretty crazy. Now, if I was playing like a turn based game or something like that, then it may or may not be fine. Uh, but my my understanding is that the remote play stuff, when it talk when it comes with you know, when you're talking about doing remote play on PlayStation, you're you're actually streaming it from your console. So it'll be based on your home internet plus the internet of the place that you're streaming it to, like the hotel or whatever. Right. Plus the the speed of your phone or, or whatever your, your PC or whatever you're using to do it with. You should just try um, it sometime. I, I should try it sometime. 
uh, and I and I need to, to to give it a whack. But I know that most people that use the PlayStation Remote Play, I guess maybe I I might be speaking out of turn, but I believe that most people that use it effectively are using it at home on their own personal Wi-Fi. Uh, so they're not sharing it over the inter- internet. But no, I have not tried it. Um, I, I am interested in getting one of those backbones. They're a little bit too expensive, so maybe if there's like a Black Friday sale on them or something like that, I might be willing to pick one up. For those of you who don't know, that's like the controller peripheral for your phone. Um, but the other thing too is that like I am adamantly against buying new cell phones. <laughs> so like I've been – I've like I will hold on to my cell phone as fucking long as humanly possible mm. because I can't stand the idea – of paying the amount of money that they want me to pay for a brand new cell phone. You're on like a payment plan for like years and years and shit. So like I, so I, for the last, you know, five, six years have been just buying phones, like older phones outright. And then just for those of you who know anything about Android phones, cause I don't, I have an Android, I don't have an, an iPhone. Um, I'm using a galaxy S 10, which is like five years old. So I'm afraid too that that'll kind of hold me back a little bit. I wish that they would just support remote play for PS5 on Vita. I don't understand why they don't. I would fucking do that all day long. Yeah, but they don't for some reason. They they just they they're trying their hardest to just kill the fucking Vita, and I don't understand why. Because I can remote play with my PS4. I don't know if you guys remember if you listened to the podcast when we were talking about Slay the Spire a few months back because that was one of our Game of the Month things. Great game. I talked about how I hooked up my PS4 and installed Slay the Spire on it specifically so I could use my Vita to remote play it when I was in bed, which is kind of stupid because I could have just played the mobile version of it on my phone, but I wanted to play it on my fucking Vita. So I I don't know. Um I, I do want to give it a try. So I'll try to keep that in mind the next time I go on a work trip. I'll try the remote play thing out and see how well it works because I am curious. But I have, I've never re- tried remote play at all on my PS5. So I should just try it generally even on my home network. Make sure – yeah, make sure you get it set up because there's a setting in the system that permits the PS5 to be turned on from rest mode remotely. And if you don't have that mm-hmm. triggered – and you go off to a hotel in like Chicago and it's not fucking turned on your PS5 then you're screwed. The other thing that's a problem too is that when I'm not home, my wife is using the PS5 to watch Netflix and mm. all that stuff. So it's – I have to like coordinate with her to like yeah. do something else while I'm doing it and it, it's kind of problematic. So that is the one thing that I will say in – I'm not, you know, this is not an Xbox podcast, but that, that is the one thing that is kind of nice about uh, Game Pass is that their remote play, like with Game Pass, is just streaming it from Microsoft. You're not streaming it from your console. You're literally streaming the game from Microsoft. They're so streaming it's, services, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. And and I kind of wonder too, now that I say that, if you had the premium tier. Of PlayStation Plus, which has the streaming of certain games mm-hmm. or whatever, if you could do that without your PS5, I don't know. I, I need to look into that maybe. I, I don't know if you can only do it from your PlayStation or if you can do it from your PC. Maybe your you phone. can. I don't know. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Jake, it's uh, long overdue for us to get into the news. It, we're 47 yeah. minutes into the podcast. And uh, we haven't even touched the news yet. So um, let's talk 
about the news, shall we? Lance Reddick is the actor who plays Silence in Horizon, the video game Horizons. He recently tweeted, quote, hard at work in a session for Horizon Forbidden West, end quote. The tweet was deleted, and I just think it's amazing how many video game actors do this and then get their hands slapped or the tweet revoked. And it's also hilarious, uh, and, and I can't stop thinking about a point that was brought up last show, uh, that video games are like one of the only mediums where it's like a really big secret. Because <laughs> yeah. any other time, like if Tom Hardy or someone was like, yeah, I'm on set with blah, 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 blah. They'd be like, oh, cool. Like, thanks for promoting our movie. But in this case, it's like, don't fucking say another word, dude, or else you're fired. <laughs> well, I think that the problem with this one specifically is that there's not been any confirmed DLC or anything. For Forbidden West. For, for Forbidden West. So either he's working on the next Horizon game, mm-hmm. which is unannounced. Or he's working on DLC for Forbidden West, which is unannounced. Well, he wrote so, he wrote Forbidden West in the tweet. I understand, but you can understand how he might he might not know what the fuck it is. He, I'm sure that he's intelligent enough to know the difference between <laughs> one Horizon game and another. What he's getting like, paid to do, right? But but you can but you know how actors are. I mean, like, and I don't mean actors. I don't I'm just try. I, I don't mean to generalize. But like, unbelievable. I'm so offended. Like there, yeah, I know. Yeah, freaking give me the shaft. But um, <laughs> just like, just like a lot of these actors are still a little bit out of touch when they do these video games. Like, do you think that Keanu Reeves, when he did Cyberpunk, was super in touch with the industry? You know what I mean? He's they Keanu probably Reeves. put he him in like the fucking to play video games and get to know it. Like, we yeah, do. they they probably put him in the mocap suit and they're just like, okay, you're acting like you normally act. But we're just you're just wearing this weird garb and you're not right. like pretend it's a CG movie. That's probably like what they told him. Yeah, I'm and sure. then that's how they got the performance out of him. Now, may, for all I know, maybe Keanu Reeves is Keanu Reeves is an avid gamer. Maybe Lance Reddick is an avid gamer, and this was just something that like he thought that like if I had to say you know Occam's Razor on this, Lance Reddick probably was just like oh Forbidden West has been released, so it doesn't matter what I say about it. Do you know what I mean? Where like maybe he didn't tie into the fact that what he's currently working on does not qualify because it is unreleased. And one has and to I would ask, assume. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I was just saying. One has to ask. Do they not? Do, do, somebody just needs to call the actor and be like, or their agent, be like, listen, you need to relay to Lance when he starts his prod. Mum is the word. Don't say a word. It's a super private, super uh, secret. He, no tweets, right? It's at a point where, like, is it just as much the developer's fault as it is the actor's for I mean, not honestly, relaying it should that be, to them? It should be in their contract or in the. Are they reading it? Like, you know something. what I mean? Well, or even just, or even just like as part of their whatever you want to call it, orientation package or whatever the hell to the program where it's like uh, maybe just like never tweet anything about this project horizon until we ask you, know? you to do it. Yeah, right. Or like it could like just – yeah, I mean like there's there's an easy way to do this from a PR, HR point of view. Just like you pull the person in day one. Let's – really excited to have you. 
you did a great work, great work on the first two Horizon games. This is a little DLC. Now you already know, but this is a secret thing, so please don't put anything out on social media about this. Um, let's get to work. Let's have a good day. Let's get it done, right? Like you don't even yeah. have to assume that they don't know. Just say, hey, you already know this, but just to make sure, we're going to say it one more time. Don't do this thing. I, yeah, I, I'm sure it's more. I'm sure that the relationship is more complicated than that. But at the very <laughs> least, like, at the very least, these people should be like, they should be like, okay, well, maybe I should ask before I tweet something like this. I really want to play as Silence, dude. Silence is such a dope character. If you could play as Silence, it'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, I like Aloy. There's, Don't get me wrong. There is that whole there is that whole arc with Silence in Forbidden West that is completely unanswered, and we kind of speculated on the show when that game came out that like that's probably what the DLC is going to be about. Yeah, and we, so we, we called it back then. I it, think it wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of what this is. And dude, I fucking loved Forbidden West. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the best game ever made, but like I really enjoyed it. I loved how it looked. I loved how it felt. Mm-hmm. And so if this is like an indication that there's going to be DLC for it, hopefully it comes out at like a reasonable time and not like square in the middle of all this g- fucking I, I honestly if they're making DLC for Forbidden West, it better come out like in 2024 or something because next year is going to be insane if all this stuff releases when it says it's going to it's be a hell of a year next year we feel like we say that every year all right let's get on the next news point i'm excited i think you're right to get silence dlc it's got he's got to be in it so there you go there's that at least there's there's proof in the pudding as they say the uh ps plus essential games have been announced and uh, part of me kind of thought initially that Sony might have missed out on an opportunity to promote some spooky games for the month of October. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, scary games aren't for everybody, right? So if they were all scary games, they might have got some backlash for that too. So They could have done one though. Yeah, they could have. But but I bet you we get a Spooktober scary, scary game sale and I can't wait for that. So the PS Plus Essential Games have been announced for October – they are as follows: Hot Wheels Unleashed on PS5, PS5, PS4, Injustice, Gods Among Us 2, and Super Hot. Jake, so there's only so I'm going to go out on I'm going to go out on a limb here yeah. and say that my gut is Hot Wheels. Yeah, that's where I'm at because I've played the other two already. So so I would pick Super Hot if. I didn't have to, like, I know you don't have to use VR to play this, but VR seems like the premier way to play Super Hot. For sure. And I don't want to fucking set up my VR. That's so, fair. And I'm That's just fair. being completely transparent with the audience. So, and I know you've played Injustice. Yeah. And Great game. So I, I think that, and to be honest with you, I kind of am excited to play. I've heard that some of these newer Hot Wheels games are fucking awesome. I heard this one so was really good. I am excited good. to try it. Yeah, so Hot Wheels Unleashed it is, I think. So for the listeners, I will say this. Injustice 2 is a good is a good get, and Super Hot is a great get. It's a very fun game of VR. I haven't played it on a flat screen. So for those listening, like, like we did with Toem in September, our October game that we're going to be playing, downloading and playing the month of October, discussing on the Halloween episode, 
is going to be Hot Wheels Unleashed for PS5, PS4. Uh, Jake and I will both be playing it on PlayStation 5. So there are your three games for October. That's exciting. You know what? You know what never occurred to me? I know this is this is completely off top off topic, but like every time we do a podcast in the evening, yeah. I know you're drinking something, yeah. but you always have it in like some like cup or glass yeah. that is completely innocuous. Yeah. And like on my end, I'm just clearly drinking like you're beer and whiskey. Yeah, like, it makes me look like the alcoholic and you're fucking drinking tea or something over there. <laughs> anyway. No comment. Um, next news point. I won't tell yeah. you what I'm drinking. It's a secret. It's a witch's brew. Uh, yeah, so we, we talked at length last episode about indie games and the involvement that uh, Jim Ryan had, the getting Shuhei and his team involved, right? And uh, maybe a little bit of a resurgence of indie games for PlayStation, or at least the optics that that's happening. Um, so Day of the Devs is happening November 3rd. So next month... And they're going to have a digital showcase on November 3rd. And uh, this is going to be a 10-year anniversary for Day of the Devs. And uh, this was initially started and has been cobbled or put together or orchestrated or however you want to say it by Double Fine Productions and I Am 8-Bit. And uh, you'll be able to watch the show on YouTube and Twitch. And just a shout-out to uh, indie devs around the globe and to... Uh, recommendation for audience to maybe put this on their calendar. Um, I'm excited to see what is shown at Day of the Devs on November 3rd. Just an FYI. This is more of an FYI news point. Jake, do you have anything that you'd like to input as far as that goes? So, Day of... Uh, or so, Sorry. Um, I The only thing that I can say is that Double Fine is a part of this, and it looks like they have a partnership with IM8Bit. I don't know if IM8Bit might be a publisher because a lot of the games that are on there uh, are games that were obviously developed by – I was just looking at their website. Yeah. Games that were obviously developed by other companies like Stray and um, We Are OFK. Uh, Which is Grim out, Fandango. and I've not heard a word about that game. Yeah. Uh, Disco Elysium, for example. Um, so – what what I will say is that I'm always excited to see stuff like this going on. I don't know that Twitch is a good platform for it. I don't know – I know Xbox does their ID at Xbox thing on Twitch and from what yeah. I understand, it's like a fucking garbage heap. So I it's like a three-hour stream and it just doesn't really do the indies a whole lot of favors. So hopefully this is different. And I've never actually tuned into this, so I'm going to be completely honest with you. But I will say, just as a, a slight sidebar, because Double Fine is a part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's probably the last Double Fine game you're going to get on PlayStation. Right. You should fucking play Psychonauts 2 because it is so good. I heard that. And that'll be the last thing that I say about this news point. All right. Fair enough. I like it. I like the input. Appreciate it as always. The next news point I have for the show today is that game Jet the Far Shore. I didn't realize that like it even had a following. I don't think it was like amazingly reviewed or anything. But apparently it's getting free DLC in 2023. And uh, it's on my wish list. And uh, I just wanted to say that apparently this DLC is going to be a new campaign. And uh, it's going to be more free roaming and player driven than the previous, than the original game. So if you're a Jet Far Shore player or if you're interested in this game, I, 
I'm almost at the point where it's like I'm the kind of person that doesn't want to play a game, put it away, and then play DLC like five months later. So I'm kind of at the point now where like if I'm going to play this game, I'm just going to wait until the DLC is announced and out and then just fucking play it, right? That makes the most sense. Yeah, this seems like a pretty, you know, what I was kind of referring to earlier as like a zen kind of game yeah. where you just kind of fly around these environments and stuff. Uh, and that's cool. Like, and, and I'm with you. I, I haven't played this either, but if I am going to play it now that this news is out, I'm going to wait until the DLC is there because either I won't like it and it won't matter or I will like it and I'll want to play everything that's available for it. Right. So unless you're like chomping at the bit to play the thing, might as well yeah. just wait. That way it's fresh. Um, next news point's a pretty big deal. It's not like a huge deal, but it's a pretty big deal. The uh, the the Dead Space remake is going to be a one shot, which is interesting. So, like, if you guys are familiar with the God of War remake, the camera stays behind Kratos essentially the entire game, and it doesn't really break away. Um, you're just there. And there's that World War One movie called 1917. They did the same thing for that. And I have in the notes, not to be forgotten, Scarface the rapper. His music video for probably the best, maybe most underrated rap song of all time on my block is a one-shot also. So if you're not sure what a one-shot is, go watch that music video because it's fucking awesome. Um, Dude, one-shots are some of the coolest – like they're, they're some of the hardest things to do in filming. But they're also some of the coolest fucking shots in cinematography. Mm-hmm. So not that that really says anything about video games because it's, <laughs> you know, it doesn't really matter. It's not hard in video games. Uh, well, it's probably not but, easy either. You still have well, to tell the narrative yeah. story. You can't break away to cutscenes I mean, and stuff. I mean, yes, you're right. But the thing is, is that like there were cutscenes in fucking God of War. So I don't understand. Are you certain? What? Yeah. But did the camera I mean, ever like? Did it just stay in the room and circle around, or was it like, oh, here's we're focusing on something else out of nowhere? I mean, you might be correct in that the camera never cut, but it definitely moved around. <laughs> and to be fair, I mean oh. that totally works fine for Dead Space. I say that camera moved around a lot when I played that game. I was fucking looking yeah. left and right nonstop. <laughs> But that's interesting. But this is cool. This is cool. I mean, I'm excited for Dead Space. I'm more excited for Callisto Protocol. I'm actually the most interested in I'm so me as a gamer, more excited for Callisto Protocol than Dead Space because I've already played Dead Space. Don't get me wrong, love it. I haven't, so I can't wait. So I'm excited for you to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm curious about is if you, as someone who's never played Dead Space, if you play Callisto Protocol before you play Dead Space, how Dead Space is going to hit you? Because I played Dead Space when it came out, and to me, it is far and away like I'm talking top two or three best survival horror games ever made in history. Would it, would it be? I mean, spoiler maybe for a Halloween show, but it would be. Would it be on your top five list of scary games? Definitely. One hundred percent for sure. So, um, you know, teaser for the Halloween episode. But uh, teaser, yeah. I so <laughs> I'm uh, I'm it, 
that's what's more curious about me. Like the one shot will work with this. I mean, they they could definitely make it work, no problem. I there, I don't remember any like instance in Dead Space where it needed to cut. Like it would actually be more cinematic if it was a one. Not I don't want to say more cinematic, but more spooky if it was a one shot. That's what I'm thinking. And so like I think it's a good idea for them to do. Honestly, why don't they so, shoot a horror movie as a one shot? I mean, you can't shoot a whole fucking movie that way. But like they did 1917. I don't think that the whole movie was a one shot. It was. They didn't fucking. Sh- they didn't shoot for literally two hours straight. No, no, no. It's camera tricks, but it is presented as a one shot. Okay, okay. Then yes. If all the individual scenes are one shots, then okay, I guess I could see that, and that would be good. That would be good. Anyway, have you not on. seen 1917? I have not. I've heard it's good, oh my but Jesus I don't Christ. watch movies, oh my so God. that's why Just I haven't seen. Watch it already. If if a movie hasn't come out, you know what's my fucking one of my favorite movies to watch during the <laughs> Halloween season is uh, the Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles movie, uh, the first one and the second one. Oh god! Actually, the third one's not too oh, bad, Jesus. but uh, this is sacrilegious. It's uh, I don't know why that's a Halloween kind of staple, but you know, for you this maybe. Is like, this is like the era. Well, there was I can't remember what channel used to do this. It was like. It was like one of the – maybe it was one of the Disney-affiliated channels or something like that. But they would do like a like every night or every weekend. I can't remember. They would do a movie, like a, like a Halloween movie for the entire month of October. I think it was like every night or, or so many days like a week something or something. like TNT would do. Yeah, yeah. But it was like every year movies that were on there were always movies like the Three Ninja Turtle movies, like Hocus Pocus, like all that kind of shit from the 90s that was – not necessarily like Gremlins, stuff like that, where it's yeah, where it's Pills not like from the crypt. yeah, like shit that's not gonna you know it's not gonna like scare the shit out of you, but at the same time <laughs> it's it puts you in that spirit. A little bit of a little bit of a side tangent. Anyway, that's all. This entire show we get we get a new patron, and the the very next show we just go on all kinds of derailments, and it's 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 fun shit. I'm having a good time. Um, yeah, so... Who gives a fuck about the news? Yeah, it's just news. Yeah, I don't even listen to the news anymore. That happened like 100 years ago. Who cares? All right. Anywho, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of news, there's, there's a news story, Jake, about PlayStation Stars, the loyalty program. And again, I don't really care a whole lot about this, but uh, if you care as a listener, you can go to the PS PlayStation blog, uh, PlayStation.blog, and you can learn more. But the most important takeaway out of all of this that I've learned, that I've learned, is that the loyalty points that you can earn for PlayStation Stars can be redeemed for wallet funds. I don't know what the ratios are. I don't know how it works. I don't know how much work you got to put in, how much elbow grease you have to use to get these loyalty points. But if they can be converted into PlayStation Network cold hard cash, I'm interested. So this news point was nice. This is kind of like similar – this is similar to like when they did that program where you could trade your trophies in for cash. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, dude, and I did uh, it. I probably got at least 20 bucks out of that. 
So I, I never don't know that I ever did it, but like I'm all about this because I'm going to be completely honest with you. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I am just not of the. I like trophies. I think they're interesting, but and I, like for especially for games that I really enjoy. But I'm not the type of person who really cares about things like digital collectibles, uh, digital artwork. Like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get an album, for example, like I don't want like a digital artwork of the fucking album cover. Like what I want is I want the fucking vinyl album in my hands that I can look at it and see the print quality and feel the vinyl and feel the paper and and all that stuff. And so to me, it's either digital or it's physical. But a lot of people now are getting into the whole digital collectible thing and. Sony has already come out and said these are not NFTs, blah, 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 and that's good, but you know, we've kind of speculated a little bit, and the industry as a whole has speculated a little bit about how these digital collectibles with this program may be kind of indicative of – like this is clearly something that would, would, be, would uh, be good or would improve – or improve upon or help something like if they were to bring back PlayStation Home. Yeah. You know like you're like okay, well if 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 PlayStation Home comes back and I can have my VR apartment or whatever that I can have my fucking friends over to, I can have all these things on my shelves come and over move and them look around at them. and all this stuff and 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 maybe I could get into that and pick but, them up um, and turn them around and Dude, I got too much shit in the real world, I don't want to clutter my digital world as well. Just saying. All right. Well, that is but, an interesting. So take. I'm going to be going. I'm going to be. So I am. I do. Unless there's a caveat that I don't know about, I do plan on signing up for PlayStation Stars. I, I just want to see what it's all about. But you bet. You best believe that I'm going to be driving for that cold hard PSN cash. Yeah, you and me both. Not man. some fucking uh, digital sack boy figurine. If it's like, oh, so, $5 PSN wallet or, yeah, Sackboy with a moon face or something, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go. I'm going five bucks every day, every second of the day. All right. Let's move on to this next one. This next one isn't re- related to PlayStation directly, but indirectly it is. And uh, I say that because Google streaming platform Stadia is getting shut down. Um, you know, they had their hat in the ring and, uh, it's related to the show in that regard. So I don't really have any opinions about this. I only know one person that was using Stadia and he eventually bought a PS5. So that tells you (laughs) everything you fucking need to know. So I have two thoughts about this. One, I feel bad for the people that purchase Stadia that will no longer be able to even use their equipment anymore. Unless Stadia has come out, I don't know if you've read it, whether or not Stadia is saying like we're not going to update it, but we'll still like leave. I the thought I read something up. about a possible refund, maybe to people too. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Um, but the other thing is that like my understanding, and I had mentioned earlier about how Xbox has the Game Pass streaming service where you can stream your games on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um. My understanding is that Stadia, Google and Stadia, their streaming technology was the best. Yep. And that it worked really fucking good. Yep, I heard that too. So that's honestly the biggest bummer about this whole thing 
is that what's going to happen to that technology? Because if it was in the hands of somebody like Sony or Microsoft, I don't think Microsoft would go for it because they're they're spending a lot of money building their Azure infrastructure. And I know Sony has partnered with Microsoft, believe it or not, to use Azure in the future. But I don't know, man. It's it's it kind of sucks that that this technology is just going to be you know thrown in the fucking warehouse like the you know the the relic from freaking you know temple of doom or something it's just and i'm sure it'll be used elsewhere for other things or whatever but it just sucks to see because more competition is better so i would have liked to have seen this work out a little bit more Mm -hmm. for google but i mean not like google needs the fucking money but um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a bummer that it's shutting down. I feel bad for the people that that bought in. Yeah, but I mean, such is the nature of business, right? If it just they just couldn't get it together, they didn't meet their marks that they wanted to, and then it's just it's just is what it is. Um, I agree with what you said, though. Yeah, I mean, it's like the the battery that lasts forever that got tucked away because. If you have a battery that lasts forever, then no one needs to buy new batteries, right? It's like one of those things. It's like if you have the best streaming platform, I don't know what that solves or what it doesn't hurt or what you know what the per- – but yeah, it's getting tucked away and we'll probably never see that technology again, at least the Google technology, unless they get into bed with you know, Sony or Microsoft and try to sell it off to them for some money or something to make back some money. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I don't even know if they lost money. I'm sure they lost money. But anyways, this is the big – this is the big news point for the show, and this is the topic I really want to talk about with you. Um, a Plague Tale Requiem will 100% be on my list of to buy and most likely be a purchase for me. Plague Tale Requiem is a follow-up to A Plague Tale and is being developed by Asobo Studios. And the PS blog has a really nice feature on it. And they said apparently this is going to be quite a gem on the PS5. Of course they're saying that, but they're indicating – that the first game, this is about rat plagues in medieval days. Uh, the first game, you can only have about 5,000 rats on the screen at once. The new game, with the power of the PS5, you can have up to 300,000 rats on the screen at any given moment. And uh, so if you thought the 5,000 rats was a lot to look at in the first game because it was insane, imagine 300,000. Um, the game's going to feature adaptive triggers, improvements to their lighting and fire systems, um, meaning like. Th- the way flames work with chasing the rats off. There's going to be a crossbow, so it's not, it's not, there's going to be more more fighting involved, possibly. And uh, and you're going to be able to feel the rats via haptic sense feedback. Now, the thing, this game is coming out October 18th this this year, so it's coming out in like two weeks. Mm. So this is on my list for October, and it's and it's borderline scary, probably right. The the setting, everything. The thing that you and I t- discussed when we played the first one, Jake, was that we really enjoyed the setting of the first game. I'm a little mixed on them bringing the rats back. Uh, that was a great mechanic for the first game. Is it? Is this game going to just be more of the first game with just more story? I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like with the added combat features like crossbow and stuff like that, they might be able to. It sounds like they're going to probably go um, – they're probably going to try and balance the combat systems a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Because the reason why you felt – I feel like the reason why maybe you might have might feel the way that you feel about the rats is because that was the mechanic in the first game. The combat system was very limited and it got – as much as I loved A Plague Tale Innocence, the – the like the the inability to do anything other than wave a fucking fire stick around like and wave solve a torch puzzles, around right? and yeah. throw rocks and solve puzzles like i just felt restricted yeah. as a player yeah. by the game even though i loved it so to me i'm okay with them bringing the rats back and bringing back the puzzles with the rats and being able to use the rats to kill enemies and all that kind of stuff i think that's great but if they balance it with additional uh, abilities and stuff, then it's it's definitely going to make the game better, in my opinion. Just some quality of life stuff, right, to make the game more interesting. I read that the new game is going to take anywhere between 15 and 18 hours to beat. The first game was roughly 10 mm. hours long. So they've added, they've like doubled the length of their previous game. And they've also said, of course they're going to say this, they have a game to promote, but they did say that there's no filler in this game. So and and based on the most recent story trailer, dude, and I'll watch a story trailer for a game like this because I'm not like super jazzed, but I'm like getting more and more excited. So they've done just the right amount of promotion on this game that it's not like in your face all the fucking time. And it wasn't like we heard about it like three years ago. It's like, okay, we heard something. It went away. We heard another little thing. And then now we're like two weeks out and they're starting to ramp the shit up. And like they've hit the sweet spot, I think, on the promotion point for this game. So the thing about this is, I I just feel like it's going to have some horror. But the but the video game story trailer where I was going with this it seems like there's a lot of different settings in the trailer, um, different seasons, different settings, different locales. Um, so that is exciting. Now I don't know how big Team Aso- or Asobo Studios is, but I was very impressed with the the graphics. Uh, there was a little jank to the first game, but the overall you could tell uh, time that they put into that game to make it look nice. And uh, this game is no exception to that. I mean, based on this trailer, it looks really good, and I'm actually really excited to fucking play it. Um, I don't know, Jake. Are, is this is this a buy for you, or are you going to wait and for? I mean, of course, I'm going to wait for a review or two. But uh, I mean, like, are you interested enough that if it reviews okay, that you think you'll be getting this, or like, what what do you think about this game? Um. So, I will probably play it, and a big reason why is I'm pretty sure that this game is releasing day and date on Game Pass. Mm. So I can just play it with my subscription. I have no I have no horse in the game other than my, you know, $15 a month or whatever the hell I pay for that service. Yeah. So and this might actually line up really well with the end of my tenure with Cyberpunk getting that out of the way. I might be ready for something new and interesting. I wasn't necessarily thinking about jumping right into this game, but as long as it's not – so for me, the way that I will look at it is that I'll wait – excuse me. I'll wait until the game comes out 
see what people are saying about it. Because if the game, to me, it's 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 less about whether or not the game is good or bad, and more about whether or not the game is fucking broken. And it sucks that we have to think about this nowadays. But if this game is broken when it comes out, I'm not going to play it right but away. But there's there's nothing that's been said to make you think that it will be broken, right? You haven't heard any well, stories. Well, sure, but there's nobody ever says that a game is going to be sure, broken. But they broken, haven't pushed it, it back or broken. they haven't rushed a date or anything. It's not releasing sure. early. Right. Yeah, so I'm hoping I'm hoping that's not the case. Yeah. But you want to be, you know, you want to be careful. I don't want to put hours into a game and then have it be have it not know, fucking disaster. Yeah, right. Right. So, um that's uh but that that's the that's the one thing. Other than that, I mean, I'm I'm kind of excited to to give this a look. Um, I mean, we'll see how my opinion changes in the next couple of weeks. Whether or not I will truly be ready for the experience, because this is one of those games. Like the first game was the same way. I would throw something like Hellblade in there with this type of game, where it's like a dark thriller, and it's like you almost have to be in a mindset for it. This is you know, like I. Like I don't know if I have like when I and, and now maybe this is me personally yeah. maybe this doesn't apply to everybody but when I want when I go to play these games I almost have to be ready to play them like I have to be like okay I'm going into this game and I'm expecting it to challenge me emotionally so uh, and. And these in the the a Plague Tale Innocence was a very dark and dirty game, grimy. And so yeah, and, and I mean it's like rat infested, fucking disease ridden plague. Plants. So like I I am interested in this game for sure, and I definitely want to check it out. Um, I'm just curious how my mindset's going to be in the next couple weeks and how it's going to review. But I would say that. There might be something for us to talk about here on the show. I think so. So Plague Tale Requiem releases October 18th, 2022. Moving forward, let's talk about weapon degradation in video games real quick. This is more of a conversational piece as well. And the reason I bring this up is because Dying Light 2, the developer, indicated that they will have weapon degradation in their game, but they're being generous with it. It exists in The Witcher. You mean Dead Island 2, so, That's right? what I – what did I say? Dying Light. Dead Island 2 is what I meant to say. Yeah, D- Dying Light 2 already came out. Um, Dead Island 2 uh, said that they're going to have – and, it, and it, it existed in the first Dead Island, and uh, it exists in, I believe, The Witcher. It exists in uh, whatever that game was that you and I played when we got our PS4s, Dragon something – um, we both have this game and we played it. We didn't really like it a whole lot. Dragon's Crown? Nope. Nope. Why am I drawing a blank? RPG-ish kind of game. Uh, mm. Top-down, kind of. You control a party of people. They all fight at the same time. And uh, you kind of bounce around. You get to pick your make your own character. It's an RPG. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it has like a uh, elf guy who's bald in it. And uh, Dragon, what the fuck? Come on, it's a big game, and they were they're working on the sequel to it right now. <laughs> come on, why can't I? Remember Dude, I have going. no idea what you're. Anyways, what's today? your take on weapon degradation? I'm gonna try to think of this while you talk. Uh, Novar, um, go ahead. So, I hate it. I hate it personally. 
I think that it's pointless for video games. If you're if you're playing a survival game, that's one thing. But if it's like an action game or something like that, it's fucking annoying. Like for example, one of my I would put it up there as one of my favorite games of all time, maybe definitely top 25. Uh, I don't know about top 10, but pretty close okay. is Elder Scrolls Oblivion. And uh, there was wep- weapon degradation in that game, and that was one of the things that I fucking hated about it. Nothing is more annoying than like being immersed in playing a game, and then all of a sudden, whoops, my weapons broke, now I can't fucking use it, and now I'm like punching a bad guy. It's like... It's like the game – like you're not – this isn't a real game. This isn't real life. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to fucking – you're like – like I, I'm not you know, going to go out in my backyard and, and fight demons or something like that. So like if I get you to a point should. where I'm immersed, don't drag me out of it by like having this – let me take that back. So – I think a lot of the problem is not necessarily that weapon degradation exists. Mm. What, what, what's problematic about it is that is the arcadey nature of it tends to drag you out of video games. It's like your weapon has a health bar, and then when the health bar is zero, it's broken, and then you've got to make a new one. It's not like uh, you know. Like if they made it more organic mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, if you hit an enemy particularly hard, you might do a shitload of damage but maybe like a piece breaks off of it. Like like I would be totally into weapon degradation if it was more organic and felt a little bit more immersive and real and not just like, oh, my weapon is 68% healthy and if I hit something 10 more times, now I can't use it anymore. Like that's just fucking annoying. The thing that annoys me about weapon degradation is sometimes when it's getting degraded, it affects the uh, the strength the stats. of your hits and the yeah. stats. And that's just annoying because then it turns into a mini game. And then the mini game takes over and it pulls you away from the real game. So yeah. I, I don't – yeah, I like your input on that. Um, my my issue with it is is it's just another fucking thing to keep track of in a game. I keep track of so much shit in everyday real life. I don't want to have to figure out if my weapon is cleaned or if my weapon needs sharpened in a game. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a level of realism that I think games can do without, unless it's like an actual simulation or something. Like I could see like weapon degradation in For Honor. Like that would make sense, maybe. Uh, I don't yeah. know, dude. I'll be I'll be honest with you. That's one of the things. I think that's one of the reasons why I was so enamored with the teen, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Was that like Simplicity. it was literally it was literally just a game that you played. Like, and, <laughs> and I know that sounds I know that sounds kind of stupid, but like it was a game that you like in the way that. In the way that like SNES games were just you fucking picked them up and you smashed buttons and you played the game and there was no like attempt at immersive realism where like they just crammed fucking features into this game that just drug you away from the, the game itself. The, the game itself. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't have a place. You know, the ultimate probably form of that that's not a survival game would be something like Red Dead Redemption. But, you know, to be fair to Red Dead Redemption, 
I played that game for 90 hours before I beat it. I never once cleaned my gun and I never had a problem. Whereas like whereas like weapon degradation in games if your weapon breaks like you can't use it. Like I feel like they should give you the options like do you want this to be there? Do you not want it to be there? Maybe like only in the hard modes you have degradation, but in the easy modes you don't. Like They don't even have weapon options. degradation in Metro. Yeah, and that was a fucking annoying too. Because that game is already hard. Well, they, I don't that, think that they, was like I don't think they have it in that game though. Is what I'm saying. Do they? Oh, in Metro, I think in the original, like Metro 2033, the when you played it in the original state, the survival mode. Yeah. I think that there was like something. You know, like because remember you had to clean your visor. Well, the and air gun you have too. to pneumatically you have to pump it, but that's I don't know that there was. I don't know. That's I don't remember, to be honest with you. Yeah. Anyways, enough with that. The game I was thinking of is Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I – um, that game had weapon degradation? Yeah. I don't remember that. I'm pretty certain it did. It's been a long time. That game did not leave a, a great impression on me. I mean I had fun, but I never finished it. I just got so tired of it. Um. Anywho, yeah. I just didn't like that you had to like do all these things to like get these resources before you could continue the story. Yeah, that's fucking annoying. Yeah, anyway, all right, continue. Man of Medan. Yeah, <laughs> next news point: um, Man of Medan and Little Hope, the Dark Pictures anthology games, are getting a free PS5 update, and the third installment of the Dark Pictures anthology. House of Ashes will be getting an update on November 18th for PS5. I've played all three, and I've talked about them on many shows, and I enjoy them more and more as each one was released. So I did enjoy The Quarry also. These are uh, made by Supermassive Games, and that's all I have about that. I just want to let you know that you can now play those games on PS5, the upgraded versions. That's cool. I... This is the type of game that's a little bit more my speed when you're talking about like Halloween games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I see to me, hall like entertainment during the Halloween period. I prefer to watch things that are more Halloween oriented, that are a little more spooky. Like Sarah and I have a tradition of watching through most of the Friday the Thirteenth movies during the Halloween season. Yeah. We like – especially like the first six. It, in my opinion, they they fall off a cliff pretty precipitously after that. But like um, – so like to me, the these games are a little bit more that speed where it's like a visual novel almost. Yeah, you have to do things in time and stuff and you have to make decisions or whatever. But like it's more of like you're you're playing a horror movie, which is cool. Yeah, I recommend the quarry. Excuse me. Um, last uh, second to last news point, and then we'll let the listeners go. This is an exceptionally long podcast, and uh, I didn't realize it was going to be this long when I was doing the notes. However, it is what it is. Cyberpunk has now sold 20 million copies. News sites are attributing the recent spike in sales to the Netflix anime Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is apparently hyper violent, as Push Square writes, and. Uh, Edge Runners has been reviewed pretty well. So, Cyberpunk also 
has now beat out The Witcher 3 on the most concurrent players on Steam with 104,827 gamers playing Cyberpunk 2077 at the same time on Steam where The Witcher peaked at 103,329 players. So we're looking at roughly another thousand concurrent players than than The Witcher 3 ever had. So congratulations to Cyberpunk 2077. It looks like it has redeemed itself as the Witcher Three did as well, and uh, if they if this new DLC does really well, I I just think that this game is is going to be viewed at historically as a lesson for developers. Um, had they just released this thing in the in tip top shape, and maybe not tried to juggle all the different platforms that they did, I mean this thing was released on PC, Xbox. The new Xbox, the Xbox whatever, the PS4 and PS5. It wasn't PS3, I don't think. Did they have a PS3 version? Mm-hmm. I don't think they did. No. And then uh, – so they, they, they went through a lot, a lot of issues with it. And uh, I know the company's stock dropped considerably. They caught all kinds of shit. And uh, But look at it now. 20 million copies sold. Numbers don't lie there. I mean, I, I don't think they gave the game away. I think it a, there was a point in time where you could buy the game for five or ten bucks. I think honestly, online, like I think I think you were able to buy it for pretty cheap. Um, I don't know what it's selling for now, but congratulations, I guess, to them on that. Dude, I'm somehow playing it for free. I have no fucking idea how, but apparently, it's free if you've got at least PS Plus extra. So throwing that out there that's interesting i will say that like this game if it had launched i don't know if it would have sold any better to be completely honest because they kind of capitalized on just the keanu reeves advantage of people they're really good at promoting this game um but it it could very well have if if it had released in a better state it could very well have uh been even bigger than this and like I mentioned before, I am watching the, the the Netflix show, and I'm probably going to after the podcast go down and, and watch a, another episode or two of it. Um, it is hyper violent. I mean, that is a really good word for it. There is so much like blood and dismemberment and all this shit. And if you've played the game, like you understand that that's in keeping with the game. So the game is very hyper violent as well. Um, I, I mean, good for them, I guess. I kind of wish that, see, here's my concern. I kind of wish that it wasn't so successful for them only in that I hope that they learned their lesson from this. Oh, with the stock dropping the way it did? Oh yeah, they've learned. If that makes any sense. Like, I don't want them to be like, oh, well, you know, we released this shitty fucking broken game and took advantage of gamers and – but it doesn't matter. We still made gazillions of dollars anyway. So yeah, like I mean, it's, is that going to incentivize them in the future to do the same thing? Now, I would hope not because the PR was so bad, but you never know. I think it had everlasting so, consequences on their company for sure. I think they had everlasting consequences on the games industry as a whole. I mean yeah. people are not releasing games – I would hope that after this, people aren't going to be releasing these broke-ass games, but 
you never know. But I will say that as of right now, I've been in kind of enjoying the uh, experience. So, yeah, give it a shot. I mean, if you have everyone has a Netflix subscription, so give it a watch. Just make sure that your kids aren't in the room when you're watching it. That's all. Yeah, fair enough. There's boobies and there's blood. So, dude, cartoon take boobies that as are it were. the best. <laughs> what? That's so and weird. You, you can clip that. Yeah. There's been a lot of good clips on this show. Did you want to talk about this last bullet point or save it for another podcast? Did you watch the trailer or no? The Last of Us trailer? Yeah. yeah so I did watch it. Well, we're going to talk and about we'll the Last say, of Us trailer then. So, yeah. So they released the first full-fledged trailer for the Last of Us TV show. I will say um, just two things about it. We don't have to go into big detail about it. You can obviously – everyone can go watch it. One, uh, I think that it looks the part. I think the trailer at least looks the part and I'm excited about that. I hope it means that it's going to be good. I'm not sold on the girl as Ellie but I'm sure I'll get used to it. Not a big deal. Um, But the other thing that I was going to say is it seems like they're recreating a lot of the scenes – from the Last of Us game based on the shit that you see in this trailer. Yeah. Like specifically, spoilers, if you've never played the first Last of Us, you know, fucking earmuffs for two seconds. But there's a scene in the trailer where it's very clearly a recreation of Joel holding his daughter during the, like basically when the end happened. And so I'm very curious about how they're going to There's a lot of scenes. There's, do that. Yeah, the burning city in the beginning of the game. There's a scene where you're crawling through the pipes to get out, get out of the quarantine zone. Yeah. Um, that scene's in there. There's uh, just – I don't think it's Pittsburgh, but the, there's actually a scene that they showed in the trailer that looked more like The Last of Us Part Two with the scale of the city and it kind of zooms out and there's a thunderstorm. You see this huge, just skyscraper kind of leaning. Um, that reminded me of last of us part two. I think, I think you're spot on about the girl. I, she doesn't seem to have the charm that Ellie has in this so far. She doesn't have the, like the innocent Ashley Johnson's portrayal of Ellie in the games. Like Ellie has, kind of a swagger i know that's kind of like a stupid way to say it but like she's self-confident and very kind of like you know outspoken and sassy and so i'm curious because none of the trailers have really shown her as anything other than just like a subordinate to joel if that makes any sense yeah she's just so like like, i'm a parcel i'm curious about how that's gonna work yeah she's just his package to deliver um and protect like she doesn't really they haven't portrayed her to have much of a character or much of a personality in these trailers at Mm -hmm. all and ellie if you've played the last of us very good point jake is full of personality and uh full of piss and vinegar too so we haven't seen that in any of these trailers and and in the first last of us ellie's younger obviously and she also has uh a sense of humor. She isn't broken. 
right? She's not broken yet. And everything that I've seen from this trailer, it almost has the tone of The Last of Us Part 2, but it's The Last of Us Part 1. Uh, yeah. So it's weird. So I, th- I thought the tone of The Last of Us Part 1, while it was serious and while it was violent and while it was very uh, dark, what it gave us that The Last of Us Part 2 never gave us were those scenes of comedy or those – in like uh, I don't know. Those scenes with Ellie where she would pull out her joke book and just read some funny shit and like try to egg Joel on or to get him going. You know what I mean? Like as they grew closer um, – and, uh, yeah, like the Last of Us part, the Last of Us Part One is more heartfelt. The Last of Us Part Two is more like anger and yeah. just like vengeance and like just really, really black emotions. And uh, so, I don't know. Well, I guess I I don't want to judge it though. We won't know till we, we watch it. See it. I thought it yeah, looked visually I, good though, like you said. I, I I agree with you. I think that the the visuals are spot on, and so I have hope for this, especially with Neil Druckmann being involved. I'm just curious about how they are going to change the writing of the characters, if at all, and how Ellie is going to stack up because Joel seems kind of to be the part based on what we've seen in the trailers, but we have not seen the side of Ellie that is portrayed in the first Last of Us video game. No, we haven't, not yet. All right, uh, let's get into new games real quick, and then we'll we'll close out. So sorry for the long podcast. You guys went out today on a long podcast. I hope, I hope you stuck with us. Dude, we shouldn't even like – we should just like – I'm going to be completely honest. I heard, sorry to cut you These off. New games. We, should almost, we should almost just talk about like the new games that – That we care about? We actually think might be interesting. There's like fucking 30 games here. I'll go through it really, really fast. Uh because someone might care about something here that we don't. Um, September 26th, Century of Age of Ashes. Um, September 27th, Hako Life, Moon Scars, Trails from Zero, Tunic, which I hear is good, Watcher yeah. Chronicles, World of Outlaws, Dirt Racing. September 28th, Death Verse, Let It Die. September 29th, Apico, Brewmaster, Desp- Despots Games, Let's Build a Zoo, One Hell of a Ride, Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous, Post Void, Sam and Max Beyond Space and Time Remastered, Sam and Max Save the World Remastered, Undungeon, Val- Valkyrie Elysium. We talked about that earlier in the show. Work from Home, September 30th, Arrowheart, Blade Assault, Bunny Park, Caffeine, Victoria's Legacy, Klee, Klee 2, it might be Clea, I don't know, FIFA 23, Lemon Cake, My Little Pony, A Maritime Bay Adventure, and Paw Patrol Grand Prix. Those are the games coming out this week. So, I don't know. I heard under or uh, not Undertale, but Tunic is decent, and uh, Valkyria Elysium seems to be a pickup. Also, if you're interested in that kind I of mean, thing, I mean, yeah, like of all all the fuck, like I said, you really, you said like thirty games, and there's let's see, Tunic is good. Um, I haven't played it. I don't know if it's good, but I've heard. You no, know, obviously, good. like s- s- the Sam and Max games. Okay, you've got Valkyria Elysium. Which is cool. Maybe Pathfinder FIFA, might which be all right. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, it is what it is. I don't know. It just seems kind of silly that there's just all these games being released and eighty percent of them I've never fucking heard of before. Yeah, I mean, like there's shit in here like Paw Patrol Grand Prix. It's like okay, well, 
I don't know how many listeners to our podcast actually give a shit about Paw Patrol, but maybe there are some people that have kids that listen to us. Yeah. So real quick, and then we'll close it out. Uh, I was telling you guys about a solo card game, and uh, there's a game. There's a game developer named Jason. This is this is the closing, by the way. I'm gonna just call it that. Um, there's a there's a card card game guy, and uh, he's a game developer. His name's Jason Glover, and uh, he has made some games that fit in a little tin, like like almost like an Altoid tin. And the cards are kind of tiny, but uh, he has this dungeon crawler he invented, and it's a card game, but it's fucking rad, and it's called Tin Helm, H-E-L-M, and uh, it's like thirty bucks on the Game Crafter. You, it's like a site that, like, it's it's a made to order site where you order his his tin games. There's another one called Gate, which is one about my brother's kind of like a tower defense thing where you buy peasants and peons and different knights and stuff. You hire them to, to protect you from monsters and you flip cards and they're enemies and you roll dice. So Tin Helm is very much like this. Um, you, you get to pick from four different races and then of those four races, you get to pick from three separate classes. And then depending on the race and class, it determines your energy, your hit points and your meals that you start with and you also get two trappings like you know one person might come with a bedroll and a hatchet and then you have like nine to ten dungeon cards and uh they're all titled something different and on the face of the dungeon card it tells you uh essentially it has two delegators of things that you need to resolve so if you're like okay the clearing has you know a campfire and a fucking bad guy logo so you set the campfire one down and then the next card underneath it, you, f- which is a regular dungeon card, but you flip it around on the back of it, it has all of the delegators that exist in the game, but it specifies next to it what you do. So if, if it's a enemy type on the, on the clearing, you look at what the enemy type correlates on the one you just flipped upside down. And uh, so it might be a wrath. And then you have to roll to fight the wrath. And you keep track of your health and shit. And your goal is to get three crystals. And this little tin, they have these little they have these little fucking things and the little crystals. And it's like you're fucking playing literally a dungeon crawler with cards. And it's one of the most brilliantly designed things. And, th- and you might be thinking, what if you just memorize all the cards? Well, it doesn't quite work that way um, because you shuffle the deck every time, all the different locations. And uh, depending on your character and stuff you you could run into any number of things in any of those rooms depending on the card that's after it and uh you can also play the game where you start memorizing cards you have the option to take the first card and not do the delegating things on the front and use that the back side of that card but the card after it will delegate the two things or the three things you have to resolve on the card that you just flipped over so there's always chance in this game and uh if you die you die and there's five levels of the dungeon. Once you get through all the map areas, you reshuffle the deck, you move the thing to level two, and then all the bad guys hit harder and they have more life. And then level three, they all hit harder because you just add the numbers on. It's a really fucking clever-ass fucking game. And it's called Tin Helm. And uh, I highly recommend it if you're interested in like solo board gaming. It takes like 30 minutes maybe to play the game through. Either you live or you die. Um, it's really fucking fun, dude. It's really cool. Great stocking stuffer if you have friends who play any kind of like nerdy shit. Um, I just found out about it. I guess it's been out for a while. It's apparently a a, a uh, 
more compact version of a game he has called Iron Helm that he came up with, which I think is card related also. But Tin Helm is it's fucking genius the way it works. Hmm. Very impressed with it. Um, simple to learn. Very tough to win. I've only won twice. And uh, I've played the game now probably 15 to 20 times. And I just get my ass handed to me all the time. So it's a resource management. You manage your energy. Um, when you deplete all your energy, you can only hit bad guys for one point. Um, you know, And you spend your energy and it essentially a hard you're swinging your weapon, right? You, you have a better chance of doing more damage. But when your energy has gone, you can fish. You can fucking camp out. If you get the right delegators on cards, if they come up, and then you can raise your energy back up, you can get loot. I mean, it's crazy how much he implemented into this fucking thing, and it fits in like a little fucking tin. It's it's wild. It's really, really cool. Anyways, I'm done. I digress. Jake, you got anything before we leave? Uh, Nope. I'm going to go throw some chemicals in my pool. Because I'm trying to close it tomorrow, mm. and then I'm probably going to watch some cyberpunk before I go to bed. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks for tuning in to episode 243 of PS This Is Awesome. Uh, I don't know if we should be apologizing for the longer episodes. Some people probably like it, but we do try to keep our episodes, if you're new here, to about an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes. This one ran about pertinent or two hours, so – it's been a, it wasn't even a lot to talk about. I don't know what the fuck we talked about today. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you next week. I'm sure we'll be back. And thanks to all our patrons for supporting the show. We appreciate you all as always. So like X Defiant, XII, which is seven. I don't know how you t- – 13. 17, 13, whatever Idiot. the fuck it is. Yeah. And XCOM. <laughs> yes. This yes. is awesome. This is awesome. Seven. I don't know where the fuck I got that.